Boys are getting a little bit ugly out there. Give them them all a cookie and make them settle down. Hello, everyone. Having to open every time I'm here is really testing the abilities of my grade 10 improv class. (laughs) It's actually probably not a good strategy to get Evan to come to the podcast if we're going to make him do things that he doesn't necessarily love doing every time. You know, every weakness is an opportunity to develop a strength. I don't believe in that. I no, believe, me neither. It's yeah. not working. It's certainly not working. I don't know when it becomes a strength. I believe that your weaknesses should be masked, never addressed, and probably let it fester and grow into a, uh, an issue later on. Yeah. Like my teeth. I'm going to say, are you Jeff Blashill? Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm. Uh, this is a wig. A thinning wig, but uh, a wig yes. nonetheless. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. This is uh, our last episode of 2018. Um, I know we said we were going to be uh, off for a couple of weeks, but we're here, we're here full full roster, surprising enough, uh, to bring you a dose of reality for this episode, because that's something that we never do, apparently. <laughs> I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. I'm Evan. And uh, on today's docket, we are going to talk about uh, our three main topics are the Red Wings, of course. Um, we'll talk about things like the Larkin point streak and then other things. Uh, topic two, Dallas has overtaken the, in a last second upset, uh, the biggest mess of a franchise in 2018. The old hold my tire fire. Yeah. And then we're going to talk about the World Junior Championship before wrapping up uh, the episode. The Red Wings. Bad. Hold on. Before we start... Looking at the your guys' faces right now, I'm going to start. I actually have some Christmas gifts for you guys that I'm going to go grab that I've hid. It's nothing fancy. They're functional gifts. We have to we have to kill dead air time, Ryan. You oh, have to kill... No. no, they're literally like three feet behind me. We have to kill dead air, Ryan. <laughs> Brad, Uh-oh. this is the most un-Brad thing I've ever seen happen. Oh, no, no. It's, once you oh, open it, it's, it's the most it, Brad thing it's, ever. It's jingling. It's jingling. Like, the one <laughs> gift isn't... So there's a theme to these gifts. Uh-oh. I got you guys the exact same thing. I think I got you different brands oh, here, but... Oh, this is funny. Why don't, why don't you read off to the people what's what's in your, um, what I call... Ryan, you go Pre-podcast prep gifts. Uh, we have six Mill Street Organics. Um, <laughs> Folgers K-Cups. <laughs> because uh, Brad has a Keurig that only I use. Um, a... Well, not- Five hour energy. <laughs> hey, we have the same stuff. Yeah, it's the same. In Advil extra strength. I got M- go. I got Dad. MGD though. Oh wow. But all of this is quite required most days. <laughs> you know, I should almost leave this here. I was gonna say I, <laughs> I was might, gonna offer that. I might eat all of this now. <laughs> But yeah, I figured uh, I've seen you guys every Sunday morning basically for the last five years. So I gra- I figured, okay, what do they need most? Coffee. <laughs> oh God, do they need coffee? So now Evan can share the Keurig with you. That's true. Yeah. The uh, Advil for the hangovers, and on the days you're really, really feeling it, that's why I threw the five hour energy in there, and I put the beer in there because if all else fails, just stay hammered. <laughs> Yeah, basically that's all three Brad, corners. that's so kind. Thank you. <laughs> yes, thank you. That's your best gift since Mika. Um, I'm actually super bummed out because my gift for these guys uh, just has 
I ordered it. It said like order by this date and you'll get it by Christmas. Yeah. And then on December 23rd, they're like shipping out soon. You should receive it by January 17th. And so around January 17th, I'll have you guys open your stuff <laughs> on air. I um, bought one gift this year. Cat? No. Oh, my oh, parents. Nice. I got them a Tommy Bahama beach umbrella. Let That's... me tell you, those aren't cheap. No, it doesn't sound like it. <laughs> my mom was like, oh, they're $30. This is what we want. This is exactly what I want. So I was like, perfect. I go on Amazon. My mom was on Amazon.com. Mm. So obviously, we don't have the freedom that Amazon.com has. No. And uh, yeah, they are exponentially more than that. But my parents love it, and they like living on the beach, so... If a beach umbrella has a specific brand, I assume it's going to cost too much money. Yeah, it has like a like spiral on the bottom to get it down into the ground. Oh, that's clever. Yeah, it's it, the real deal. It doesn't sound like that much, outside of the fact that when you go to the beach and you have the cheap ones like I do, you spend half the time chasing it. Yeah, this this thing's the real deal. Well. Merry Christmas, Brad. Thank you. Yeah, Merry yeah, Christmas. No like I said, functional Christmas gifts. We'll do your your gifts will be oh, it'll be close to Chinese New Year, right? What's that? January twenty first or something? I have no idea. I thought it was April for some reason. No, no, it's in January. I wonder what year it is this year. Year of the octopus, hopefully. Oh, that's good. No, I think that'd probably be a little bit. Yes, we have a title for another episode. <laughs> it's the year of the octopus, boys. Uh, the the Red Wings. Since when was the last time we were on air? Right. Right. The past the two 19th, weeks have right? literally been a blur. I think it was around the nineteenth. Yeah, last Thursday or something like that. Oh yeah, I was working because everyone was going on vacation except for me. Detroit has lost yeah. uh, four straight games. They beat Carolina four uh, one, and then they lost two one to Florida, five four to Toronto, which was a, a bummer because they were up up until seven seconds left in the game. Uh, 5-2 to Pittsburgh, and then 5-1 to Dallas. Really, they just have to stop getting scored on five times in a game. It's a, it doesn't seem to be working out too well for them. Easier said than done, Ryan. I know. Um, prevailing themes in those games. First of all, Detroit is no longer being considered not in the bottom tier of teams. Currently, as the standings are, Detroit's in 24th in the league. However, all but L.A. have enough games in hand to pass them Should they handily win? in points. Yeah. So, really, Detroit is somewhere probably closer to 28th, 29th in the league, yeah, as low as 31st. Yeah, because the three teams 30th. behind Detroit right now are all one point behind with three games in hand. Yeah. So, they could literally lose in overtime once in three games and still tie slash pass the Red Wings. Yeah. Uh, Detroit doesn't have uh, fantastic ROW either, so there's no strength there. Um, and Define strength for what we're going for this season. Right. Uh, and also... Um, they're not. They. I think they're statistically the worst regulation team in the league. Um, it's shocking. I think uh, Del- we're winning at something. Yeah. Right. Delo Hockey tweeted that, and they said that they were surprised to see that. I was like, how could you possibly be surprised? This team has Dylan Larkin and Jimmy Howard, and those two scrape them to overtime like once every five losses. Uh, where they otherwise shouldn't have even made it to overtime, and that's where Detroit gets, honestly, most of their points. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll start on the positive. <laughs> Dylan Larkin is on a 13-game point streak. The uh, longest active streak in the NHL currently. Uh, seems to just will himself to win, or to, to points, even in the face of just like a garbage, garbage game like the one last night against Dallas. Um, and we'll get into Dallas later. 
Um, Why? What's happening in Dallas? Oh, uh, things. And great stuff. weather. Awesome weather down in Dallas. Um, they're not. The team around him is doing terribly, and like, it's not easy. It's easy to stand out on a bad team if you're a halfway decent player. It's not easy to do what Larkin's doing because this is no different of a circumstance than it was last year. Uh, so really, that's a huge, huge positive for this guy to um, really put a, a dagger in our earlier preseason predictions, especially mine. I know I kind of leaned on him a little heavy saying, I think he was our acting first-line center. I don't think he was a first-line center, but by all means, he is a shining gold star in a sea of coal. <laughs> Wasn't say the... the Someone had pointed out that not only is Larkin's streak impressive because, hey, he's got points in 13 straight games. Detroit's record over those 13 games was something like 3-8-2 or just something abysmal, and he was still getting it through because the rest of the team is unmistakably hot garbage. Like it, Again, we, we talked about a previous episode, so I won't get into it, but the Red Wings have are not only bad, they've turned into a bland hockey team. They are the worst team in the NHL to actually sit down and watch a game. And if they hit 25 shots a game now, it, I feel like that's actually a good game for them, whereas the league average is like 31 or 32 shots per game. So them falling five to seven shots below the league average feels like a good offensive game for them, which is staggeringly bad. The thing that I think most fans are coming to realize lately too is during this streak, we saw all these reasons for optimism. Bertuzzi was was playing out of his mind. Athanasi was playing out of his mind. Mantha was still healthy and, and playing very well. I think that was all those players at their peaks. They just happened to peak at the same time, and the average for them is actually a lot less. Not, yeah. not that it's necessarily a bad thing in the sense of I'm sitting here and saying Athanasi, Bertuzzi, and Mantha and all that are, are busts or they're terrible players. It's just... Athanasi has been ice cold lately. Bertuzzi's been useful, but hasn't been putting up the offense. Has so it's probably safe to say Athanasi is a decent, inconsistent second liner. Bertuzzi's a, a good third liner, and nothing more for either of them. And again, the same goes with Rasmussen and Manth and all that. The, the Red Wings have a very good. We're a team of lunch yeah. pail players. They have an adequate middle six. An awful first line that is being propped up by Dylan Larkin. A beyond awful fourth line. Um, outside of Cholosky and Hironik, who in all reality is a really good second pairing on a good team. They have no good bottom pair. They have no good top pair. This is a really bad hockey team that I think is a lot farther away than we would like to admit. Yes. Get that smug look off your face. You're in for this misery with us, too. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like a little Christmas cheer. Uh, I want to do a small rant. I was actually, I'm I'm currently working on an article, and I was choosing between an article on what I'm about to rant about and a Ken Holland article. And I didn't choose the Ken Holland article because I thought it would serve the hockey world any better, but it's because this rant I don't think I can put coherently into written words. Um, I was watching the uh, one of the games, I can't remember which, um, and they did what seems like the trillionth expose on Justin Abdelkader. Oh my god. Or it must have been NBC or Fox Sports Detroit. No, FSD, yeah. And it's just the infatuation, the cult obsession with 
the air quotes grinders heart and soul these guys work their butt off to get to the team players needs to stop it is so okay to appreciate the steps that Luke Glendening took to get to this team. Absolutely. At no step through his career was he considered a likely candidate. When he was playing college hockey, when he played in the ECHL, when he played in the he worked his way absolutely amazing. That is over. He is it. He is a fourth-line player who can step in on the third line. That is it. To make him a focal point of the organ, like. This obsession with these kind of players... Abdul Kader wrote a children's book, which is fantastic. Genuinely, I do like that as a person. He just got married recently. Yeah, genuinely. Or he had a, he had a kid, right? Yep. Everybody does those things. Yes, it's so good. Um, he is a, a leader in the dressing room, and he grinds it out. And he's maybe not the most skilled... But, but like, that's a good thing to focus on from time to time. But it, I genuinely believe that this obsession starts with the media and then it leaks out into the fans and it, it 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 pervades the way management thinks and I actually believe that this cult-like obsession with these players who aren't exceptionally talented hockey players has caused it's cuz everybody likes the the Rudy story. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> looking for a Rudy story and it's not a it's you know at best right now you should be hoping for a Jake Gensel story and we have nothing near that. Yeah, you know, it's, it's one thing for a guy to, you know, grind through juniors and make a team, but it would be nice to have someone who grinds through juniors and then puts up 30 goals, yeah, puts like, up 40 goals. Like, Glenn Denning, I will actually consider a Rudy story, because he was a walk-on at Michigan and then ended up becoming Michigan's captain, and like you said, ended up working his way up to the Abdul Kader was a mid-round draft pick who was <laughs> recruited by a very... High end college, like he is not a Rudy story. He was expected to succeed. He wasn't the janitor at Notre Dame. <laughs> the the focus on these players, it honestly that whole rant it culminates in two things in my mind. One, fans becoming disillusioned with what this team is, which is as much as you think, okay, what does that matter at the end of the day? Trust me, as a fan of this hockey team, it is mind blowing and painful to watch the fans be so disillusioned. Watch fans be so disillusioned about this team. Two, I genuinely think it has affected Ken Holland's decision making, and we see that with Abdul Kader's contract, with Erickson's contract, with DeKaiser's contract. It's the focus is on things that it's not hard. You want to win games, you got to score goals, yes, and play good defense and have a good goal. Like it's sure, there's it's like oh, a GM has to do a lot more thinking than that, but I feel like the. The contracts and the 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 loyalty has all been awarded to things that have nothing to do with putting points on the board. I think Abdelkader is sort of the <clears throat> the perfect culmination of a lot of things that go on in the Detroit organization. It's you know the over overreaching for you know the Michigan born players. Um, he was I think Abdelkader was also. You know, he he got ve- he got graced with his line mates. Oh yeah, he has had some of the best line mates this organization's ever had. Um, so his contract comes up when he's playing with Pavel Datsuk. You know, I could score twenty goals minimum playing with Pavel Datsuk. Um, Stand next to the net, don't miss the puck. So you know, if 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 just one of those things happens, you know, it's understandable. But it's like he was basically the perfect storm of all these different things happening to one person at the same time, and it, now we're here. But I mean, 
it's not like we're battling for a playoff spot or winning the division and well, these no, sorts yeah. of players are you know a real concern for winning so right now it's kind of whatever but it is part of the anchor that weighs you down. Yeah, for the second time in as many episodes, I just I yelled about something that at the end of the day doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> and I understand that. It's just uh... no, but it, it's relevant too because it's getting to the fan base. Like even like, it's no secret that as a hockey player, we're not big fans of Justin Abdelkade or as a person. I'm sure he's the nicest guy on the planet. Oh, yeah. oh this is not speaking. Yeah, yeah, about yeah. Like don't, don't personally, when we, when we when we talk about players, we're talking about their functionality as an NHL player. Just again, yeah. f- to reminder, um, but. So, like, I'll go on tweet tirades about Abdelkader doing this or Abdelkader doing that and just, like, losing my mind. And people tweet back at me defending him as a player. Like, even last night, I got a tweet not to single anyone out, like, um, but they're like, I think... this person at... (laughs) But one person literally tweeted at me verbatim, I think Abby's done a good job and no one will touch Larkin with him out there. And I I actually had to respond, like, have you been watching the games while he was on a... fight anyone? Yeah, Larkin gets the hell beaten out of him every game. And while Abdicator has been on his line, Mantha and Larkin have both gotten into a fight. He is literally not only dragging that line down from a hockey perspective, if his sole job is to protect Larkin and Mantha while he's out there. Again, I disagree with that mentality, but if that is his job, he's not even doing his job. <laughs> he's not even doing what, that. What is his uh, what is his role on the team? Like I understand the role of Luke Glendening oh, and I understand uh, the role of other people, but yeah, what he is battles Justin, hard in the boards and, and wins. What is just an abdicator's role? On he's good at finding Red space Wings. for his guys, and he no, doesn't it, score. He doesn't. He's not a playmaker. He doesn't kill penalties overly kay. well. So here's an example I'll use. He is supposed to be what Zach Hyman is to the Leafs, which is uh, we know. Well, we fucked up then. Yeah, no, I know. Is his, his what his supposed role is when he goes out on the ice? Let's just go back to when Mantha was healthy. So he's on the ice with Larkin and Mantha. Those are the two offensive guys. They don't want their hands getting dirty. They don't want those guys, the one banging around in front of the net. They don't want them banging around in the corner. Abdulkader's supposed to provide that net front presence, and he's supposed to win those board battles to get these guys the puck. The problem is, and again, I just feel like I'm dumping on the guy. Abdulkader is not good at either of those things. The amount of goals he gets waved off just because he doesn't know how to help, how to stay out of the crease is staggering. He doesn't win board battles. Mantha's actually infinitely better at him than that, despite the fact that Mantha doesn't look like he's trying half the time on the boards. He He's literally there for that reason, the the grit factor of hockey. like, And it sounds cliche, but that, that's what they expect of him. He doesn't do it. Again, as much as I dump on Darren Helm all the time for his lack of offensive production... At least he's fast. He will win races <laughs> to the puck. He will win those board battles. He is... When you actually employ the dump and chase, which is all Detroit does, with Darren Helm on the ice, it's at least slightly more effective because he does win the occasional race. If you're going to be bad, you may as well be fast. And if you're not going to be fast, you may as well beat somebody up. Yeah. And you can say at least one of those things for a guy like Witkowski. You can say one of those things for a guy like Darren Helm. But you can't say anything. He's like a very bad jack-of-all-trades master of absolutely none. Yeah, did you see that uh, story that was going around Reddit about the guy who like faked having the number one restaurant in London? He f- uh, there's actually a really good. I think it's a Vice video on that. Yeah, so he basically fakes like his whole thing is he fakes his way to the top of everything. Abdulkader has done this in hockey. He's on the top line of an NHL team despite probably not being qualified to even be on any NHL roster. What a hilarious comparison that I absolutely love because that was a hysterical story. Yeah, it was. Did he end up charging those people for the food? 
Yes. Yeah, because it so. was just microwaved craft dinner, wasn't it? Yeah, but he said like uh, it was like with a crumble, like a bread crust or something. I don't know. It was funny. he just like rolled up some toast on it? Yeah. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, it's all irrelevant at this point, but it's definitely you know if if we were you know pushing and we're like this is the year where we've got our competent bums surpassing their expectations. This would be a huge concern, but at but, the end of the day, it's not. <laughs> circling back to Brian's original point, too, about how it's affecting the fan base. So, like I said, I have people tweeting at me, and I am actually, I'm not going to say convinced, but I actually believe with how hard Fox Sports Detroit pedals the Glendennings and the Abdulcators and the Ericsons of the world. Because I, I remember even watching the Pittsburgh game. Larkin only got the puck 175 feet down the ice instead of 200 feet down the ice on a penalty kill. And they came back and scored. And then Erickson literally just fell over while trying to defend Phil Kessel. And Phil Kessel walked in and scored. They did not mention that once, but they ripped on Larkin for two or three times for about 30 seconds each about his screw up on the PK. I actually think there is directive from Red Wings management to be like, hey, like and it, Franz Nielsen, Justin Ablocator, Darren Helm, Jonathan Erickson, these bad, unmovable contracts that we're stuck with, you have to play these guys up so the fan base doesn't turn on them because they know they're stuck with them no matter what they want to do. They're objectively not great players on awful contracts with term. And, and again, I can see where Red Wings management is coming from like that. These are, again, objectively very nice human beings who just happen to be poor NHL hockey players that are going to be paraded out in front of the same 100,000 eyes every night. Well, at the end of the day, it's a business, right? Yeah. So bad players make you lose money. So to mitigate that in any way possible, it, you know, maybe it's a tinfoil type theory, but it makes with, sense from a business perspective. And, and even if you break it down too, what's the one thing Fox Sports Detroit focuses on so bloody much that the Red Wings do well? Face-offs, the, one of the least impactful oh, things in the game of God, hockey. Don't even get, oh my, this. Face-offs, this, face-offs, that. They are third in the league in away, uh, away game, defensive zone draws in it the sound- third period with less than 12 minutes left. They are third in the it league. It sounds it's- like baseball history. It's oh. so, it's, and all they, t- they said, here's, I, this is a real story. Well, they said, uh... Uh, Luke Lundin or, or Luke Lundin or Justin Ablocator was playing for whoever was playing for a generic Michigan hockey program. Uh, <laughs> Little in, Caesars. In generic year that is uh, relatable for the middle aged uh, fan base. And uh, coach said, uh, Oh, uh, Abdul Glendening is a good player who works hard, but he'll never go anywhere because his face offs are at 45%. Well, he heard that, and I'll just tell you. Two weeks later, his face-offs were at 3 billion percent. And uh, now look at him today. So, yeah, what a story. Western Northern Internal Middle Earth Michigan boy right there. Every goddamn game, you hear the same. Who gives a sh- I can win 10 face-offs a game. I, I can fall in the puck with my head, slide it backwards with my teeth, and there we go. There's our face-off win. What's going to happen? You have a... Dumb wing wheel podcast host with broken teeth on the ice, an odd man rush the other way. Look at that. The Red Wings are losing. But at least we won at least we won the face off. At least we won the face off. 56%, Ryan. 56%. 56% of the time 
They win the puck backwards for them to lose the puck immediately afterwards. <laughs> I was going to say, and couple that with the fact that the Red Wings are bottom a bottom three possession team in the NHL. Oh, God. <laughs> the one episode where we were, where uh, I asked, you said, like, there's no uh, correlation between uh, face-offs and possession. I said, really? Like, none at all? And you're like, no, Adam Lascaris actually sent me a text. He, like, just ran some numbers quickly. He's like, yeah, there's literally nothing at all. Yeah, he, uh, I think he sent it. It was the graph he sent us. Yeah, and yeah. it just looked like someone was throwing at a dartboard. Yeah. Like, there, was, there was no pattern at all. It's, he would have been better. Oh, the face-offs. The, the Red Wings. We are elite at, at defensive zone away game face-offs and Michigan per 60. Year of the octopus, boys. We are a couple bad players away from them having the only stat to focus on is like how fast you can skate around the rink unhindered without a stick. We were close to that with Larkin at the, at the All-Star game. <laughs> Look, man, it's okay to have a it's okay to have a bad team. It's fine. <laughs> Please make it stop. <laughs> yeah, if Detroit sports knows anything. It's about let, having bad teams. And let me circle this back to the positive here. Objectively, I actually like the Fox Sports Detroit broadcast. Oh, I, I love think them. I think they're one of the stronger local broadcasts in the NHL, taking my bias aside. They just need to calm the F down on th- these two particular things. I think they know. I think they know, though, right? Like, I think they know. You can, you can hear the... The defeat in Ken Daniels' voice when, like, Darren Elliott or whoever starts talking about this stuff, he's, he's one day just going to be like, and that's great, and there goes the Leafs down the ice, and they scored again. Thanks, Darren. Sure wish that play ended in a face-off. <laughs> yeah, this is just, and, like, you can see them when they say something absurd, like, truly absurd, or, like, they don't. They know the play is not even worth talking about. They'll start going on a tangent, and they'll all start cracking up. They're like, oh, boy, we're really here, aren't we? They'll be like, ah, yeah, what can you do? And I'm like, that's funny. And that's why I think – that's why I actually am not going to call you, like, a conspiracy theorist for your – I think they know exactly what they have to be doing, and they know it's ridiculous, but it's just like – And they're just having fun with it. Oh, God. You know what they need is uh, like an, a Monday night or Sunday night football, like, crazy infographics – like the one where they, ha- I, th- I remember one they had for the Lions, uh, they had a Mustang and they popped open the hood and the engine like blew up and like all the broken parts were different players. <laughs> or like one time they had a, uh, when Matt Stafford had a broken finger, they had an x-ray of a broken hand and each broken bone was like a different like statistic. Oh my God. Yeah. They need some- something like that. Or like with the Bucks, like players jumping th- off the ship. I thought you were going to go far more literal in just one day. One day the Red Wings were going to have... Um, a thing where all the players who are from Michigan skated on the ice and the numbers on their back were actually in Michigan colors. <laughs> I don't think they're far away from doing a uh, blue and yellow, uh, ma- sorry, maize and blue um, warm-up jersey. Oh, uh, we didn't even mention that uh, when we are getting our pre-episode ready. Aesthetics put out their rumored new oh, third yeah, jerseys yeah. for next year, and Detroit was on the list. Okay, yeah, that'll be our next thing. Let's talk about that, because there's a lot of happy. teams. I'm excited now. Um, we know whenever there's a big switch in uh, jersey providers, so the, the league just switched from Reebok to Adidas, um, third jerseys have to go away for a while, because it's actually incredibly difficult to design, approve, uh, match colors, learn how to mass produce those colors, because obviously... Reebok's not going to say, all right, uh, here's how you do it. They're going to say, well, best of luck. I'm not giving you our special uh, Kelly Green for the Jets or what have you. Or the Jets, the Eagles wear Kelly Green for their special jerseys. Anyways. Yes. Um, so third, a lot of their jerseys went away and they've slowly been coming back. So it was to be expected that a lot of teams now, a uh, year or so in, 
are going to have their third jerseys announced. And I said it uh, went team by team. Are they going to get their third jersey? Yes, no, probably. If so, what's it going to be? Colorado's, for example, like they're just going to have like their jersey set, which is like perfect. Some teams are going to switch things up. And then you get to Detroit, and it said third jersey, expected. I, my comment on Reddit was actually just like the the gaming meme where it was just like X and square brackets and X to dope. It's from is it from La Noir where you dope? Yeah, yeah, I did that because I don't believe I, I, I trust aesthetics. They're like the the premier source on this stuff, but I just have, like why now? I honestly to keep fans engaged. Like, cause I, I have never been more dejected as a Red Wings fan than I have been in the last month. Like, legitimately, my entire life. I immediately saw that and I got, and it was a reason for excitement for next year. Because out of all the third jerseys Detroit's done for the outdoor games over the years, I've disliked zero of them. Mm-hmm. There's obviously some that I loved more than others. Like, I, I'm hoping... They go with more of a vintage theme, like because I know with a couple of the outdoor games they went with more of like a modern jersey twist, whatever. The th- classic throwback ones are my favorite, so I'm just hoping they do that. Obviously, barber poles kind of. If they buy, a, if they get a barber pole, I'm buying the entire top line in that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm I'm excited for that because again. A lot of people were tweeting at me when I tweeted my excitement. They're like, "Yeah, but I love Detroit's classic jerseys, and I like this." I'm like, "Listen." If I, I'm with you, I don't ever want them to change a single thing about their home and away jerseys right now, ever. Never change them. But I am all for wearing like a throwback jersey ten times a year. Like I'm all in on it. I there's not a single one of their jerseys that I've seen, including the barber pole, that I wouldn't want as a third. Besides the Centennial Classic, the Centennial Classic has grown on me, but obviously not as a third jersey. Um, my favorite iteration is the 2014 Winter Classic with the... Uh, the cream color. Yeah. yeah. I love that one. Um, I just bought a uh, 09 Winter Classic. It's a blank right now. Thank you, Rowan, for showing me that eBay bid. Nice. Um, but if it's a barber pole, I'll be just as happy. Yeah. There is not a bad Red Wings third jersey to be had. What if they come up with a new design? See, that's the thing I'm worried about. Because, like, the the way the Red Wings, everything about their uniform is, I don't... Uh, modern doesn't fit. Does that make sense? No, it, like, you're right. It's, it's not it doesn't supposed to be... fit. Like, the the Stadium Series jersey with the D and the slanted. Like, I thought yeah. that was cool, but it, was, it didn't fit, really. Yeah, it was, it was aesthetically by itself a, a fine enough jersey. Like, I, I objectively like the jersey, but it didn't feel... Like the Red Wings, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. which is this is how stupidly far down the Jersey rabbit hole I've gone. Um, so, yeah, like if, if Detroit just, just some kind of vintage, it doesn't have to be an, a legitimate true throwback, just a, a vintage feel to it. Because the cream and red, they they never actually wore those jerseys, right? Like way back when. Uh, no. Yes. Yeah, perfect. And if, they but it feels logo. like it did. They use that. Lo- they yeah. used to be their logo, but yeah, they never wore the jersey. Like I said, I just want. I just want the barber pole with just the Detroit written across the middle, please. If they don't get this jersey, I'm gonna be. If, I will be so hurt. And on top of Detroit, like the list that went out, there were some teams on that list that legitimately excited me. Vegas apparently might be getting a third, and oh, the possibilities there. Nashville might be getting a third. Oh yes, there are. There are some teams. Minnesota. 
Like oh, I'm, I forgot Minnesota lost their thirds. Yeah. Well, I, I objectively didn't like their last thirds all that much. So um, Vegas is a super exciting third jersey prospect because they're, um, they're like, of all the things that that was wrong with them coming into the league, including their name, uh, their jerseys <laughs> are beautiful, so well executed. Bill Foley did a good job with that one. Yeah. So now they have a, an addition. To that beautiful set. If they care about me, they'll make it pink and they'll put a flamingo on it. <laughs> I but knew that they was don't. Coming. But they don't. And I digress. Uh, the Dallas a- Stars. Oh boy! Speaking of tire fires. So we've seen tire fires all season. The Auto Senators have just even in the past couple, like every week, there's something. Uh, Randy Lee, the former assistant GM, has pleaded guilty to I can't remember what it is. Being so- a creep. Yeah. Some form of sexual assault, harassment, or other. Um, to no one's surprise, uh, the LeBreton Flats debacle, it continues to debacle. Um, and yet, uh, the Dallas Stars have uh, pulled out in the lead at the very last second. Okay, okay, okay. We gotta, you got to rephrase this. The Dallas Stars have not pulled in the lead. Yeah. Nobody is ahead of the dumpster fire that is the Ottawa Senators. The Dallas Stars have caught up a couple laps. They've yeah they've entered the race and are yeah. definitely on the leaderboard yeah um in one of the more bizarre so there's a there I, I'm not doing politics here I'm not doing politics here but I'm just drawing a, a comparison there was a story a little while back which because of the way political news cycles work recently uh, got buried almost right away but it was uh, the president called in a reporter like called in a reporter to talk to them and just kind of went on like this. It was a very bizarre situation where like something's like, it just like, it wasn't, the reporter was like, why are you telling me all of this? And then they reported on it and everyone was like, what? Like that, this is all very weird. That's as much commentary I'll have on that. Um, the CEO of the Dallas stars, Jim lights basically called in Sean Shapiro of the athletic into his office and told him to publish his comments, which were that uh, Jamie Ben and Tyler Sagan uh, were playing like a horse shit. And that's a quote. That's verbatim. Yeah. And that's why the team was doing poorly. Not because of how terrible the rest of the team around Dow- uh, the rest of the team around them has been playing. He said the problem is that Jamie Ben and Tyler Sagan are playing like horse shit. Calling out the CEO, not general manager, not a coach, not a goalie coach, not a fan, not a beat writer, not uh, Valerie Nishushkin's grandmother, the CEO of the Dallas Stars, upper management, hands-off guy, supposedly, called the two best players on the team, the two highest players on the team, horseshit. And they are objectively having down seasons by their standards, but they are still both near a point-per-game player. And a fun stat is Tyler Sagan leads the league in posts hit. Which uh, Sagan never said anything about, but Jim Lights went out of his way to say, yeah, yeah, he said a lot of posts, wah, wah, wah. It's, this was the most, this was the most unprofessional thing I've ever seen from a NHL management employee say about his players. And this is a league where Eugene Melnick's a thing. Yeah. Like Eugene Melnick has done a lot of awful things, but 90% of the awful things he does is not in front of a reporter. <laughs> Dallas is by no means having a great season. They're in the second wild card spot. 
Um, That's not bad. It's not terrible. The the West isn't uh, like incredibly competitive, especially in the zone that they're at. Like they won't have a hard time if they pick things up making it. However, here's your top four score, top five scores: Tyler Sagan with thirty three points in thirty nine games, Alex Radulov thirty one points in twenty nine games. Five of them seem to come last night. Um, Jamie Ben. 30 points in 39 games. Jason Spezza, 21 points in 37 games. Miro Heishkinen, 17 points in 39 games. Uh, it's always good when your uh, 19-year-old defenseman's fifth on the team in scoring. Yeah. Uh, Issa Lindell Wait. and Miro Heishkinen both. Is, is Lindell's also a young... He's young. He's like probably early to mid-20s. Uh, yeah, he's 24. So behind your four arguably best offensive players, Jason Spezza really shouldn't be there for you. Uh, shouldn't be one of your top offensive players. You have Heishkinen and Lindell at 17 points in 39 games. And then Devin Shore, Radic Faxa. Where's, uh, where's Valerie Nachushkin has five points in 30 games. Nice. So here's a here, here's one for you to add up. $12 million between Martin Hansel, Mark Mathot, and Valerie Nachushkin. Yeah. But no, no. The, the Sagan and Ben are the problem. Julius Honka, who apparently uh, Ottawa should have accepted for... Uh, Eric Carlson has four points in 22 games. I yeah. understand that might not be the kind of player he is. I actually don't know. He's an no. extremely offensive defenseman. He's also a rookie. There's... <laughs> if you want poster children for a team, for a Barbie team in the NHL where it's all top and no bottom, the Dallas Stars are it. There is no depth on this team at all. <laughs> you just say... Barbie team, all top, no bottom. Yeah. That is amazing. <laughs> I love that. Oh, God. I just... You know what? If Sagan, if you want to say Sagan and Ben, for the money that they earn, should be way closer to a point per game, fine. Do I think that you can take a 30-game window in their entire careers surrounded by a bad team and make that declaration calling them horseshit? No, I think you're an idiot. But if you want to say to them privately or to the coaches and management say hey i know the team's not doing great but the reason we pay these guys is to prop them up in times like this whether that's on the ice or off the ice we have they have to shoulder some of the responsibility i think that's a fair and reasonable thing to say i think what you'll see in practical results might vary but for sure in the sport of hockey or, or sport culture definitely say that you, first of all you don't say that as a ceo you tell the people who manage the players to say that secondly do not say that to a reporter for what is probably now the most reputable sports reporting outlet. And then they hear from it through the news. And first, the credit to them for how they handled that. They handled that with so much grace. If I was in their position, I I was about to talk like a tough guy, but I'd probably answer the same way. But you have the temptation. You know they have the temptation to say, who the hell is this clown? Honestly, if I was in that situation, it would take everything in my willpower to read that article, not stand up, walk directly into Jim Neal's office, calmly sit down, cross my legs and go, all right, Jim, trade me right now. Oh, yeah. Any team. Don't care. I'm done. Yeah. I'd not played a game until they not played another game until I was traded. Honestly, if I'm Jim, uh, genuinely, if I'm Jim Montgomery, head coach of the Dallas Stars, I'm walking into the general manager's office and saying, hey, I understand things aren't going great. 
I'm on board to fix this. They're in a playoff spot. You need to talk to whoever's upstairs and tell them to never pull that shit again. That is the most abhorrent, just show disrespect to the faces of your franchise. What a shot in the foot that was. Like, it just, what a stupid, stupid thing. And it's not even that it was just Jim Lights, because Jim Lights dragged the owner, uh, what's his name, Tom Gagliardi, into this, saying, he texts me five times a game with just WTF. What are they doing? Blah, blah, blah. So now, everybody below them, not only is irritated and pissed, they're handcuffed. Because their boss, the guy that signs their paychecks, was part of this. Whether he intended to be or not, but he hasn't come out and said anything to refute anything Jim Lights has said. So for all intents and purposes, it's true. He's in. He's thinking the same thing. So yeah, like I said, if I was one of these players, I would do everything in my power to get out. Be like, oh yeah, that no trade clause I have, I waive it fully. If they if they cared if they had any sense of personal responsibility or if they cared at all for the future like it, this isn't a weird thing if you want to look at the impact this has look at you have to go so far back as last year Ottawa and Eric Carlson why would you do this they have to backpedal and they have to backpedal fast actually it's funny you mentioned Eric Carlson because Eric Carlson one of the teams that was really hot to try to trade for him was Dallas. So they didn't get him in a trade. They lost out on that battle. But hey, the good news is he's a UFA this summer. Dallas could just walk out to free agency and throw infinity dollars at him. You think he want to come now? Yeah, Eric Carlson just escaped one tire fire. You think he's coming to this one? No. Hell no. You just lost Eric Carlson too. Like, it is catastrophically stupid. And I, I can't reconcile it in my... I just cannot <laughs> fathom... The uh, I, I love that Jamie Ben came out and just said, "Yeah, we don't play for him." Yeah, I play for my teammates. I play for my teammates. And everything else, and I'm like, and that's the perfect answer because it's that it's that nice little shot, but not enough of a shot that he can really do anything about it. And what does Jamie Ben care? Oh my God, you said that you're off this team. Great, awesome. We'll take one, Jamie Ben. Yeah, absolutely, we'll take a Jamie Ben. Prefer Tyler say again, but whatever works. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, beggars can't be choosers right that, now <laughs> terrific point but yeah it's it's funny because there's such a history of ownership and upper management meddling in their team's affairs going just, well you run the business let the people who run the personnel and your resources do that jerry jones the dallas cowboys has done one thing right that was amari cooper and it surprised everything everyone everything else has just been um, i mean how much have the dallas cowboys won in the past forever you know Yep. That's the prototype. Eugene Melnick screwed himself out of hundreds of million dollars of value in the LeBreton deal, LeBreton Flats deal. Um, who else? Mark Cuban. I like Mark Cuban. Remember Harold Ballard? <laughs> That's going to trigger some people. <laughs> oh, man. it's <sighs> and, and another small gripe I have. Why is it anytime something dramatic happens with an NHL franchise, it seems... So that you know they're going to come out ultra-motivated the next game. It's always against Detroit. It's always Detroit. In the last three weeks, Dallas's management goes insane. Philadelphia's management goes insane. And the next game, both times, were was Detroit. And then both times, Detroit lost. It's calculated for sure. Mm-hmm. I uh, uh, Do it against your division was, rival. The headline was... Detroit expects a motivated Dallas. I'm like, yeah, of course they do. 
Of course they did. Did they? Were they prepared for it though? Dallas comes out and smacks them five one to absolutely nobody's surprise. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about the World Junior Championship, which has been going on. started on Boxing Day, December 26th. Um, are there any games on right now? They're usually like 2 o'clock, I think, is the earliest. Well, it's out in Edmonton, so... Wait, it's in Edmonton now? Yeah, yeah. Vancouver, sorry. Same yeah. time zone. Same uh, time zone. Russia and Switzerland is today, and... The uh, greatest... Nation, hockey nation of all time plays tonight. Kazakhstan. The greatest number one nation. Against Slovakia. Uh, the current standings, uh, there are two groups. Uh, group A, Canada leads um, with Russia right behind, although Russia could. Well, the Russia Whoever, will pass them because Canada's goal differential is nuts. Canada plays Russia tomorrow night. Whoever wins that wins the division. Yeah. Uh, Switzerland. So Canada's got, this is a European style scoring, so a win is three points. So uh, nine points and three with three wins. Uh, Russia's got six points with two wins, one less game played. Switzerland, four points for one win, one overtime loss, and one loss. So that's, uh, yep. And then Czech has one overtime win for two points, and Denmark is 0-3. They're poor souls. They haven't scored a goal yet. They Yeah, they took a beat down pretty good. Uh, Group B, Sweden leads eight points with two wins and one overtime win. USA has seven points with two wins and one overtime loss. Finland has six points with two wins and one loss. Kazakhstan, uh, two losses. And Slovakia, three losses. Kazakhstan's not in last place. Not in last place. Look at them go. They've uh, scored two goals to the 13 against. So That's actually not bad. It's better than Denmark. Denmark. That was better than Denmark's game against Canada. Yeah. Singular. Denmark had a decent first four minutes against Canada and ended up losing 14 nothing. Yeah, when the other team can come at you in waves with NHL-caliber players, it's, uh, it's tough to compete. Who were the two players who didn't get points for Canada? It was Alexi Lafreniere. Yeah. Which was funny. And uh, Noah Dobson. Yeah. Who scored next game. So. Yeah. And Lafreniere scored yesterday. Yeah. Lafreniere, I was expecting to see. I understand it's different because he's younger, uh, but I was expecting to see his impact a little bit more on the ice. They've been pretty hard on him. They have They've been. been really hard. Like the young guys, especially the 18 year olds on this team, have very much. There's not many of them, and Lafreniere, 17. They have not been getting the benefit of the doubt. Even Noah Dobson's no. ice time got reduced a little bit. And speaking of 18-year-old Team Canada players, do you know who two 18-year-olds are on Team Canada? Jared McIsaac and Joe Valeno. Mm-hmm. Joe Valeno, in the game against Switzerland, did not play in the second half of the game at all. Yep. And uh, Jared McIsaac's ice time has actually been going up the last Good. game. So despite the fact that Malty Setkov almost knocked him out of the tournament with a slap shot to the ankle. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Thanks. Little Red Wing on Red Wing crime there. Um, for, the, for the U.S., um, I was truly expecting to see a little bit more out of Jack Hughes. He has one assist though so far. He hasn't tournament. played the last two games. Yeah, he's hurt. Jack Hughes is hurt. Jack Hughes is hurt. They said he's banged up. They said he'll be back for at the latest the quarterfinals. Oh, well, and then that's my fault. I apologize to our yeah. uh, American. I he looked he, good. Uh, he is a point per game player so far. There's a <laughs> there's a different there's another Hughes and that's who I yeah Quinn forgot. Hughes. Yep 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 yep. Um. They got the first-ranked power play and the first-ranked penalty kill in the tournament. Um, and that's not good for everybody else because I think who has ever had the best power play in the tournament has won like the past like five years. It's usually how it goes in tournaments. Yep. Um, their top-scoring player, uh, Ryan 
Paling or Poling? Paling. Uh, so the the top scoring uh, players in the tournament are Morgan Frost uh, with seven points, probably all in that one game against Denmark. Five, five of them were, yeah. Uh, and Ryan Paling with seven points as well, both of them four goals, three assists. Maxime Comtois uh, for Canada and Philip Kurashev of Switzerland, six points, and then... It's not like Cody Glass at seventh, Eric Branson with Sweden at eighth, Joel Fairby at ninth, Adam Bookfuss at ten. He's had a good tournament. Yeah. Scored the OT winner for Sweden. Yeah. Um Brandstrom's goal was more impressive. Oh, Brandstrom's been really impressive. He is. He is a real good player. Yeah. Um there's a Kraftsoff I saw. I've I've been noticing him quite a bit on the ice for Russia. Oh, Russia is they've got a really good group of eighteen year olds between Kraftsoff, Dennis Sanko, Pod Colson made the team. Yep. As a underager, which is very rare for Russia. So that speaks a lot about what they think of him. Even if he's barely playing, like Svechnikov made the team last year as a potential first overall pick and barely played. So um one thing that I noticed, which I really should say out loud because I know I haven't given this guy a ton of credit, Barrett Hayden. Um and Really nice watching him control the plays of centerman. Silky smooth, great entries, fantastic reads with the puck. Um, I can see why why Arizona has been so impressed with him. Um, really, really great to watch him. Still don't pick him over the cat. Uh, still don't pick him where they did. But no. yeah, he's he he's a top ten pick for sure. And Evan Bouchard, exactly what we expected of him. Fantastic passer. Seems to have an Im- impact every level of play. Yeah. Um, really, really impressed with Evan Bouchard as well. I think he looked, he'll be a stalwart for Edmonton. He almost looks like he's bored the way he plays. Yeah. He's so calm. Well, the way he look at the expression on his face, too. Evan, meathead. Yep, it's true. Big brick for That it was the first thing I noticed when they played Kitchen Rangers, how bored and, like, uninterested he looks. Yeah. And he wasn't making any bad mistakes. It just looks so disinterested. He looks like he's not trying. It looks like he doesn't care. And then you look at the stat line at the end of the day, and it's like one goal to assist. Mm-hmm. And he's had like 12 shots. Yeah, it's it's absolutely insane. Um, but yeah, so let's uh, let's talk about the wings. So this was this was supposed to be the tournament where this is supposed to be where this bad yeah. season. I was like, thank God we have these people coming through the through the pipeline. And I have been nothing short of meh. So let's let's go through the 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 storylines with each of the Red Wings prospects, and I will actually take a couple minutes for you to to explain why everybody shouldn't be panicking as much as Red Wings fans are. So, Philip Zadina, zero points in three games, despite scoring seven goals in seven games last year. Malty Setkoff plays for Denmark. Not going to expand <laughs> beyond that. Jared McIsaac is Team Canada's seventh, def- came in as Team Canada's seventh defenseman and has one assist in three games. Joe Valeno, um, like I said in the game against Switzerland, was benched for the entire second half of the game, is averaging, I think, like eight to nine minutes of ice time a game. I think he has one assist. Two assists in three games. Okay. So one of them came on the 13th goal against Denmark. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, the one was actually a primary assist on a, a important goal against the Czechs yesterday. So, hey. He looked really good yesterday. He looked a lot better yesterday. But so let's start with Zadina, the most important one. Zero points in three games objectively looks terrible. But there's there's a there's a caveat here. He is not playing with Martin Nietzsche and Martin Kaut this year like he did last year for I have no idea what reason. He is playing on a line 
based on the two Czech games I've watched with two players who are objectively terrible and useless at getting him the puck. This tournament's been a, a, a pretty good glimpse into what Philip Zadina is as a hockey player. He has been dominant when that puck has been on his stick. He has been getting his chances. He has hit a couple crossbars. He has got a ton of shots. He has been making things happen when he gets the puck. The problem is his line mates and his team struggle mightily to get him the puck. Well, let me tell you, we got one Justin Applicator Woo! ready to go. And um, and it also has amplified the fact that Philip Zadina is not himself strong at getting the puck when the other team has it. He is a very one-dimensional player. <laughs> um, so that's one thing he's definitely going to have to work on is, hey, when his teammates are struggling, he's got to get himself going because right now he looks completely incapable of doing that. But like I said, when he has had the puck, he has looked great. He has just not caught any breaks. Joe Valeno. In the first couple games, admittedly, he didn't look strong. He did not look like himself in the queue. He did not even look like himself in the pre-tournament games. He he seemed like he was trying to do too much and at other times basically played himself out of the play created turnovers, yada, yada, yada. I, I can see why the, the coaching staff would put him on the fourth line, not to the point where they benched him for half a game. I mm-hmm. honestly don't know where that came from, but to be fair, I haven't been a fan of a lot of what Tim Hunter's doing with the team outside of the handling of Leno. But hey, old school coach, old school yep. mentality, that's going to happen. Um, like I said, in the game against the Czechs, he only played, I think it was like seven and a half minutes, but he got a primary assist and he looked a lot better. Yep. He was moving his feet. It was great. So again, and again, he is, I think, the second or third youngest player on Team Canada. He's close, yeah. So it's it's nothing to freak out about. If he does not make the Red Wings next year, he will be back on Team Canada next year and he'll probably be wearing a letter. You know, yeah, a far more prominent role with more ice time and more eyes. And it's almost a certainty that Jared McIsaac will be back on this team next year because he is not AHL eligible and he is likely not going to make the Red Wings so he's almost certainly going to be the leader of this team next year and and McIsaac has been arguably the biggest bright spot of the Red Wings prospects in this term because he came in very clearly as the number seventh defenseman yep every scout that and report he talked to he was the biggest surprise to make this team he played 18 and a half minutes against the Czech Republic, yeah. which has been the best team Canada has played so far. That is saying a lot. He's looked very like I don't uh, the game against Denmark. He wasn't mistake free for sure. Then he, he took a shot from Malti Setkov uh, to the foot, which hobbled him. I thought he was going to be out for the game. He went to the room and everything came back like five minutes later. too. Yeah. It was quick. It was concerningly quick. Yeah, I was like, you guys are blowing him out. Maybe you should t- let him sit out. But <laughs> I was thinking maybe one of those things where I need to keep moving to keep the adrenaline up so I don't feel the pain. And I'm not taking the skate off because I know the swelling will just be insane as soon as yeah. I Yeah. So he came out and you know what? He's looked, he look, he's looked good. He's made it. He hasn't been incredible he hasn't been you know blowing anyone's brains out but he's uh he's been fan like he's been really really solid his, his puck movements really caught my eye he is a re- he's like a dennis Cholosky level of passer he he just knows where his outlets are when they are and when to hit them he's positionally not as sound he's the one thing i've noticed is he tends to get a little aggressive when the other team's crossing the blue line which 
I'm generally a fan of that mentality, but he tends to employ that strategy most of the time, and he has got burned for it a couple times. But yeah, overall, he's played strong. Uh, Valeno has, is coming back around. And again, McIsaac's also an 18-year-old, which is worth noting. He is an underager on this. Not an underager, but he is. it's yep. a 19-year-old tournament, and he's 18. He's a full year behind most of these guys, which is fine. So, And again, Multisetkov has, um, has, has been trying to not drown. <laughs> On that Danish team, uh, I when I first picked up Malty Setkov, which isn't hard to do because he's six foot seven, I was like, "All right, there he is. What's the first thing he's going to do?" And passed it across the middle of his own zone, and Canada scores. All right, that was a bad kid point. But to be fair, he's playing like twenty eight minutes a night for Denmark in every situation. They're pretty much just not taking him off the ice because he is one of two drafted players on Denmark, <laughs> which I totally understand. Yeah, he's uh, he's looked okay. It's just hard to gauge anything on that team. Yeah. Um, and especially in this tournament, I like. I like. He's very six foot seven. Yeah, I did like his poise in the offensive zone. That all being said, given that he's a six foot seven defenseman, he actually showed some some pretty good offensive instinct, made some good reads, and has a cannon for a shot, as Jared McIsaac now knows. Yeah. Um, and with that, we have oh a quick a uh, quick hit in overtime. Uh, Jake Gensel got signed to a five year, thirty million dollar deal for a guy who has what fifteen goals this year, fourteen of them at even strength. Yeah, this seems like a good contract. Yeah, you know what? You're paying for someone who... Crosby likes playing with him. Has great chemistry with Crosby. Arguably, like, still... Like, Crosby has barely lost his throne as the best player in the world to McDavid, and still, like, you're essentially paying for his production and Crosby's. And even if he scores zero goals all year, but scores at his regular uh, clip in the playoffs, (laughs) yeah, you take that. So... I don't know. A couple years down the road, we might be looking at this differently, but I think that's fine. Yeah. Uh, if you're paying six million dollars for that kind of pl- that kind of playoff scoring, by all means, go for it. So I'm sure Crosby's happy about that too. Uh, over time, we're gonna head over to Patreon. Um, our last episode of 2018 uh, overtime, and we're gonna see what our patrons have to ask. Alex Toger says, as an uncultured swine, why use Z and Z? Happy New Year's, fellas. May it be promising. Uh, may bring promising trades and no more painful contracts and free agency. Um, I think one of them is Canadian. I think Canadian, the Canadian denotation of that letter is Z. Yes. Depending on the context. I don't know. I think it's lost to history and you can say what you want. Wasn't in Men in Black it was pronounced Agent Z? Really? Yeah. I always thought that was interesting because that was an American movie, essentially. Hmm. That one threw me off. That's about the only thoughts I have on the... Uh, there's going to be a new Men in Black, which doesn't look thrilling at all. No, because they're just remaking everything. Although, to be fair, Chris Hemsworth and I forget his, the actress's name, but she was the one, his co-star in Ragnarok. Yeah. That at least gives me some slight optimism. Uh, Garrett TV says, all right, let's play New Year, New You, Red Wings edition. If you have a magic wand to control the wings, what are, what's one thing you're giving up for 2019? Thanks for a hell of a year, fellas. Looking forward to many more for the pod. Let's go, Red Wings. If you have to ask, you haven't been listening to this podcast for long <laughs> enough. <laughs> uh, one thing, if, yeah. If Actually, should... hold on. Well, yeah, depending. This could go a couple ways. It's basically, do we banish Blashill or do we banish Abdulkader? Abdulkader, for sure. Abdulkader, for sure. Given that Blashill's contract's up this year, yeah. Yeah, that's probably what I do. Just get, take the long-term benefit. I think Blashill does more harm to this team than Abdulkader because... Ablocator does harm to this team because of Blashill, but at the same time, his contract has, what, five years left? Yeah. Yeah, it's a long time. Blake Medler says, Ryan and Brad are horseshit. 
Brad used to go on five minute long rants about things no one cared about. We we could we would scream, "Shut up, Brad!" He doesn't do that. He never does that anymore. He used to be pest a pest to listen to. People hated listening to Brad. They don't anymore. <laughs> as for How Evan, do I take that. <laughs> as for Evan, keep up the hard work. You're welcome. Jeremiah uh, Tesno says, "Anyone going to the game on Wednesday against Calgary? I'm home for the holidays and going to see the new dojo for the first time. That's really exciting. Uh, get the food, see the mezzanine." Enjoy the concourse. Don't be afraid to spend a little bit of time in there. Uh, two, two thoughts. This is the one game I actually want to see them dress Witkowski for, given what happened last year. Yeah. And two, can we stop calling it the dojo, please, for the love of God? It doesn't work, and I hate having to explain people why, to people what the pun is there. It's a pizzerina. It's the pizza arena. Thank you. Jake Jarvis says, Happy New Year's, fellas. Loving the Larks streak. Also loving that the Wings are only three points up on dead last in the league with teams below having games in hand. I like Jake. He always knows what's up. Uh, who gets moved first, Howie or Gus? Uh, Gus. Gus, because yeah. I'm not betting on Howie getting moved. No. And the scary thing is Gus has a full no-move no clause, so there's a very real scenario here where Detroit doesn't make any trades between now and the deadline. Also, what's with this Cronhall to Toronto rumor? Not a chance, at least, like what they see in his game this season. He and was a minus four last night. I don't understand why anyone would think Cronwell's a tradable asset. He was a minus four last night where Dallas scored five goals, and one of Dallas's five goals was on the power play. I would trade Cronwell. <laughs> yeah. I love Nick Cronwell as a player in his life. I'm excited to see him retire as a Red Wing. Like It, makes, it warms my heart. But if we're talking trade, if, if he could be traded for a side dish size bowl of sharp cheddar mac and cheese I would do it yeah um, anyways looking forward to a big 2019 for the wings and the dub dub podcast Taylor you're Hunt- the octopus boys Taylor Hunter says hey guys hope you all had a good Christmas before the new year I'd like to mention it wasn't until this podcast uh, that I realized how terrible applicator truly is you're welcome and we're sorry <laughs> uh, anyways happy new year looking forward to more podcast episodes in the new year happy new year Taylor I feel, I feel like we are ruining the Red Wings for a lot of Red Wings fans yeah it's because cr- it's like I like Darren Helm as a player points out a lot of things about Darren Helm watch his next game oh oh my yeah. and does the same thing with 90% of it's the nice to wear roster. those rose tinted glasses right now I really miss being a hockey fan just for the sake of being a hockey fan <laughs> I, I, I truly do miss it. We did it to ourselves. Yeah. Yep. Ryan Kern says I only caught up the last I only caught the last period of the Dallas game and I saw perhaps the worst power play breakout ever. Someone passed. You it. need to be way more specific. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you just described ninety five percent of the Red Wings power play breakouts this year. Someone passed it backwards to Athens CU and I'm like, okay, here we go again. But then all four Red Wings grouped up together at the blue line. Then Athens CU seems to think to himself, All my guys are in the middle and all the defenders are covering them. I'll try to go through eight players. To the surprise of no one, he ended up dumping it in. I could feel Brad's energy flowing through me as I looked on in disbelief. I know this is a coaching problem, but I'm not even sure Scotty Bowman can make this team palatable. When the wings reached five hundred at American Thanksgiving, I smiled. I don't smile anymore. Cheers. <laughs> Happy New Year, Ryan. Yes. No, Scotty Bowman could not make this a good hockey team, but he could make them at least watchable. Uh, Chris Canal says, hey, guys, hope you all had a great Christmas. Uh, okay, so I've been trying to answer this question for basically the whole year. What is a valid reason Blash could have for keeping Abby on the first line? <laughs> like, seriously, I feel like Larkin has a legit boat anchor attached to him. Uh, and would have even more points on his recent hot streak. It was great to see Athanasio on that line for two shifts while it lasted, but why move Gus off that line and not Abby? Anyways, I've been consumed by the World Juniors for the past couple days. I feel like the Czech coach isn't giving Zadina a fair shake, not putting him with Nikash and Kaut. 
but watching him show how sick his hands are, the dude can dangle in a phone booth. Thanks for the hard work all year, boys. Can't wait to see even more growth from you guys next year. Oh, that reminds me of one play I was watching in the first check game. Zadina had the puck coming up the right side, just dangles through like three guys, cuts through the slot like horizontally, and then just puts this beautiful pass back to a guy who's coming in on the back post, wide open net, amazing play by Zadina. Buddy chunks it and puts it over the net, and I'm like, wow, great player, makes amazing play. Some random nobody misses an empty net. He is going to transition to Detroit seamlessly. We got lots of those guys. Yeah, he's going to have a fun time. He's he's getting prepped for his time in Detroit. So this World Junior is actually probably going ideal for him. As for the rationale behind Ablocator, all I have is... Uh, so here's... Uh, I don't know. Here's the one legitimate reason I will give it. He's a shootout specialist. Look at the rest of the Red Wings roster. The Red Wings right now really truly only have three to five viable offensive options. And if you put three of them on that first line, the bottom nine forwards will be so catastrophically bad that Detroit, that first line can score six goals and still they'll lose that game by two. There is no way you make a salvageable lineup. So at least by putting Larkin with one other viable option and then a boat anchor... That line should be good for one to two goals a game off Larkin alone. And at least one other line should be functioning. Because if you look at the lineup they went into last night, I actually didn't mind what... I actually really like what Blashell did with the lines, putting Athanasiu up with Larkin. He reunited um, Bertuzzi and Rasmussen on the third line. It was great. I mean, Vanek, Nielsen, and Nyquist as an NHL second line is objectively terrible. The fourth line, as always was terrible and the game ended with the second and fourth line each being a minus two so the two lines that i liked did all right and the other two lines were awful so yeah this is the problem here you have the short makings of an nhl roster uh connor jager says hello boys hope your holiday was great in the week off relaxing so this is the first time it i've wasn't. ever <laughs> Don't tell me how to feel <laughs> We're we're a happy podcast. I think I was. I think I like, genuinely. I think I was relaxed until I broke a tooth this morning, and I'm just so upset. Since our last podcast, I have had to drive to Goderich, Windsor, and Ingersoll. So, oh god, <laughs> those are the three worst Windsors in Ontario. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's Christmas is not relaxing when you have a two and a half year old, and everybody wants wants this year. I had like a a three hour window Christmas morning where it was just me, Crystal. And Mika, like, opening gifts downstairs, and that was, like, the happiest part of Christmas, and then the rest of it was just objectively watched three stressful. movies on Christmas Day. Wow. I hate you so yeah. much. Uh, so this is the first time I've ever watched the World Juniors, and while I have been missing out, some wow. keys I have taken away thus far. Canada is essentially a super team, to no one's surprise, and even with their limited minutes, Valeno and McIsaac have played well. Quinn Hughes might be the best skater I've ever seen. Dude's edge work is art. Can't wait to have Jack healthy and creating art himself. Sweden might have the best blue line of the tournament. Not sure how Sweden ha- always has the best defenseman. The Czechs need to keep the power line of Zadina, Nikash, and Kaut together. I understand spreading your talent, but clearly it's not working. 
Zadina tangent. The guy has looked real good, IMO, uh, except being quiet versus Canada. He's creating chances that his linemates aren't capitalizing on, and besides knee cash, no one is setting him up with quality chances. So frustrating. Pod Colson and Kraftsoff look dynamite. And lastly, I feel really bad for Denmark. The kids were essentially murdered on foreign soil in front of a crowd. Their goal yeah. differential is 0-22 to in three games, rooting for them to get that first goal. Sorry for the long rant. Thank you for the awesome content this year and for years to come. Have a great New Denmark's going to be that one team that everyone starts cheering for to do... Get yeah. something. I you want I want them to get a tie. Like <laughs> anything. Give, the love give them of a God. goal. I would prefer them to get a goal and lose than to like lose an overtime with no goals and just get a point. Ah, uh, yeah, get them a goal. Get a goal. Let it be multi set cough. They, just let us have this. They've had their chances. Even again, it was Russia, right? That they lost four nothing. I think they had a penalty shot that game or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they've had their chances. Uh, Marissa says, Hey guys, hope you had a great holiday. Apart from witnessing the dumpster fire of the last four games, that is, I just got back from a Disney cruise with my family and had lots of fun not watching them. Questions today. Who are your favorite Red Wings past and present? Pick as many as you want. This is a love your team moment to comfort us during this dark time. My favorite player of all time, Nick Lidstrom. Or sorry, no, Brendan Shanahan. My arguable after Brennan Shanahan left maybe has taken over is Nick Lidstrom and I will never ever 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 get sick of watching anything to do with Pavel Datsuk those are my three all-time favorites um I would love to say Gordy and in the classics but I wasn't that wasn't my era and so I can't in good faith say that but uh yeah Shaney is my favorite player of all time just because you haven't watched them play doesn't mean they can't be your favorite Red Wing that's true how about you guys Stevie's my all-time favorite. Always has been, always will be. Still wear number 19 for just about every team I play for. Um, I always love Nick Lidstrom. I know those are two very cop-out answers. Um, if, we're, if we're talking like unheralded players, I, I really liked Valtteri Filpola when he was on the wings for whatever reason. I don't know. Currently, uh, favorite players are probably Athanasiu, Nyquist, Larkin, Chalosky. Um... Lidstrom, Datsuk, Mickey Redman, Mickey Redman. <laughs> uh, Ted Lindsay, and Gordy. That's a good list. And I don't like anyone right now because we suck. <laughs> Actually, I like Jimmy. He's a he, oh, he was looking pretty fat in the off season, but he's surprised. Uh, yeah, that guy me. deserves a statue. Takes up more square footage in the net, man. That's it's a true. Strat- it's a strategy. It's true. And with that, we are going to wrap up and begin our New Year's Eve uh, preparations uh, to everyone. We hope you had a wonderful holiday, a Merry Christmas. Please have a happy and safe New Year celebration. Uh, we will see you guys in the new year. We want to thank all of our sponsors, our Patreon patrons. Name level sponsors, Sean Levine, Sky Carcass, Arjun Shanker, Chad Hiersack, Clayton Van Dyken, Langabeer, Derek Shippert, Ryan Lewis, Kalen Wood, Charlie Elkins, Stan Olson, Dan Bell, and Hannah Lee. Everyone who listens, uh, you know the spiel. I'm not going to hit you with it this time. Uh, we'll see you all in the new year. And... Uh, We'll uh, we'll see what 2019 brings us. Year of the Octopus. Mm-hmm.